0: Live. Live from New York. Welcome to NATO. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it. Oh, he broke his ankle on me. Follow me with freedom. Already put it. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the latest episode of Just in the Suffering Podcast, your New York Sports Fan. All- I'm, on- I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Hope you had a very good holiday season. Merry Christmas here. We're wrapping up the year 2022, our last sports podcast of the year this week. We are going to get ready for the college football playoff. The playoff games on Saturday, you got uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. And we joined this bit by a great friend of the podcast, covers college football, sporting news, Bill Bender. We're going to preview... The CFP, catching some of the headlines from college football, that's coming up in just a bit. Make sure you're locked in for our Week 17 NFL picks. I had a good week last week, went 2-1 on the picks. I'm going to be joined by a friend Dan Demartini. Talk about where it's called to go wrong, and see where they're going to play spoiler against the Giants week, and the Giants are trying to clinch a playoff spot. That's coming up with Dan in just a bit. Also, don't forget to stay tuned until the end of the show for this two-minute drill. And as much as some people want you to believe this, Steve Cohen is not bad for baseball. He really isn't. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. If you like to hear on the Just End the Suffering podcast, feel free to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on your favorite podcast, platforms, and final episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well. We'll make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video versions of the conversation with Bill and Dan are up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip here. And we have witnessed probably the end of the Zach Wilson era in New York that will tell you all about that right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this?
1: The opening set. And
0: here we All right, opening tip time here, and the Jets still alive in the playoffs this week. This is largely in spite of the play of Zach Wilson, who, hey, have hit rock bottom against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night. Thursday for Christmas, NFL bury this game, ends up being huge playoff importance. Jets lose 19-3, thanks in large part to Zach Wilson's aptitude. Wilson led the Jets to just 87 yards of offense in two and a half quarters. Before he got benched for Chris Streveler, remember him, the preseason cult hero who was leading all those quarterbacks rac- in the fourth quarter against the uh, third string guys? He came in. He gets 73 yards on his first drive, and the Jet fans were going nuts. They were cheering despite him, you know, under-throwing balls to Sergio Uzama. that would have been a wide-open touchdown, but he completed the pass, and that was enough to get the Jet fans happy. After the game, Robert Sala spoke to the press. He said that it was not a benching for Zach Wilson. The Jets went to Chris Streveler to try and spark the running game. You can say what you want, but your actions speak loud than your words here. With the season on the line, at this point, the Jets did not know they're getting any help here. The Jets trusted a guy who was on their practice squad all season. A guy who was available to the other 31 teams they wanted. They trusted him with the number two pick in the 2021 draft. And that tells you all you know about how low Zach Wilson's stock is with the Jets. Fox's Jake Leaves reported on Sunday. The Jets are planning to move on from Zach Wilson in the offseason. And let's be honest, they have to. They're not going to admit it. They're going to kind of pump them up, say, hey, you know, quarterbacks have struggled to start their careers and turn it around. But let's call a spade a fade. Zach Wilson up there is an all-time quarterback bust. He's on the Mount Rushmore with Jamarcus Russell, with Josh Rosen, with Ryan Leaf. Those kinds of quarterbacks, that's who Zach Wilson is. And that's not good. The guys not know how to lead men or execute the finals position on a consistent basis. The result you have here, you have a win-now roster. Everybody around the quarterbacks gotten better. It's a quarterback-friendly system. Every quarterback besides Zach Wilson has had success here with the Jets. Mike White, we know what he's done. Joe Flacco has put up numbers in this system. Josh Johnson is half a game last year was lighting up the uh, ball here. Chris Streveler came in here with his limited package plays, booming the ball. The Jets, as a whole, also play far better with everybody other than Zach Wilson a quarterback which speaks to the fact that they don't respect him. The the locker room does not believe in Zach Wilson, and they do not raise all of play to the occasion here. The good news here for the Jets. Mike White, who missed the last two games after suffering broken ribs in Buffalo and couldn't get cleared for contact, he was cleared by the doctors on Monday. And that's massive ahead of Sunday's getting to Seattle. Robert Solis announced he's going to be the starter, barring injury for the rest of the season, which, again, you need some sense of stability in that locker room. That gives it. And the Jets got all the help they need this weekend. Because not only did the Patriots lose Cincinnati. The Raiders lost to Pittsburgh on that last second play. The Packers showed some life. They beat the Dolphins. Miami's four games in the rough, starting 8-3. Now they're 8-7. All this sets up here. If the Jets win their last two games. At Seattle on Sunday. At Miami on January 8th. And New England loses one game. They are going to the playoffs. New England, by the way, they host Miami this Sunday. They go to Buffalo Week 18 with the Bills needing a win to secure home field advantage, barring something very, very freaky. So the odds of them going 2-0 are very, very slim. Mike White's going to have his chance here to determine what kind of competition he has for next season with his play over the next few weeks because you figure he's the Jets could do other kind of bring him back here. If Mike White keeps playing well, they, they don't go crazy trying to, you know, Four to five position. Maybe they go get somebody like Gardner Minshew, and have him and White and a mid round pick compete for the job. If Mike White struggles a little bit, they don't make the playoffs. Maybe you're going bigger. You took out the Derek Carr, J. Browndle bucket we talked about before, or you did the big swing. You try and get Aaron Rodgers off Green Bay, Lamar Jackson the Ravens don't want to pay him, Tom Brady if he wants to leave Tampa. Who knows? One thing's for sure though, whoever the Jet quarterback is in 2023, it is not going to be Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson has no one to blame for that but himself. We will talk more about the Jets in the coming weeks, but up next, we're going to get ready for the college football playoff with Bill Bender. Wrap is call from the Ohio State Michigan game, courtesy of Fox Sports. 25.
1: Donovan Edwards, the pistol back. McCarthy to throw it. McCarthy looked and throws deep.
0: Got a wide open receiver. Cornelius Johnson, sprinting. Touchdown Michigan. 75 yards. They said the kid couldn't
1: throw the deep ball. Well, he did it there. And perfect route from Cornelius Johnson. And all of a sudden, Michigan lights it up on
0: two long touchdown passes. Beautiful job by McCarthy. Gussoff
1: stepping up in the pocket. And Johnson was wide open.
0: All right. Holidays are still upon us here. We're getting ready for the college football playoff this week. Join me today to break it all down. Great friend of the podcast. Covers college football for the sporting news. Bill Bender is here. Bill, how are
1: you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, thanks for coming on here. I want to catch up on some old business as well here while we're talking on here. Obviously, we're recording a little bit after the Heisen Trophy is awarded here. Caleb Williams of USC ends up winning it. Do you think the uh, voters made the right call here?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, he was a fantastic playmaker, had a great run at USC this season. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I it was one of those years where it wasn't perfect because you could have made a case for a Duggan, Stroud, Hendon Hooker, or, um, you know, someone else. But uh, certainly the right call in my book, anyway.
0: Yeah, for me, I always felt like with that situation, I felt like if Hendon Hooker did not get hurt, he, I feel like he would have run away with this. Do you feel like that was the case?
1: Maybe. I mean, I don't know. i I don't know because they did lose to Georgia and that's when Caleb Williams kind of turned it on. So I think Hendon Hooker not injured. They still lose to South Carolina. It probably would have made, I mean, he was only missed one game. So no, I don't think he would have won it, but I think he may have finished second or third. I I thought he should have been in the top five anyway. He was fifth. I thought they should have invited him to New, New York anyway.
0: Yeah, it's too bad I didn't get to go here. But obviously, we do have a college football playoff field coming up here this week. The top four, obviously, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. I know there was some debate after, I think, both USC and TCU lost whether TCU still make the field. They end up doing it. Ohio State sits on the sideline gets in at the 40. The committee got it right.
1: Yeah, I, I think they did. And I think they stacked them up right on top of that. They, uh, you know, it's, it's not their job to reward Georgia. Either, you know, they the teams. Were ranked in the proper order but you had to put something on the table in conference championship weekend and they did and then you know Ohio State because of USC's loss got into the fourth spot it created two good matchups um, the top two teams are placed properly and I think the next two teams are placed properly so you know no there are some people that think Georgia should be playing TCU well I wouldn't take TCU for granted in this playoff. That's a pretty good football team.
0: Yeah. I also feel like for, there was a little bit of math involved as well for me, the TV wise. They didn't want to put, they want, I don't think they wanted to go Michigan, Ohio state again, right after they just played. I feel like made the potential to saving that. They seem happy happen to pull the, pull their wins off to get them in the championship round.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could, you know, they could tease it, um, you know, and Michigan did earn that two spot by going into Columbus and winning. And, you know, the committee has, I don't know whether they did it on purpose or not. Um, Boo Corrigan did say during the, uh, you know, selection show that that wasn't a rematch wasn't discussed or not having a rematch wasn't discussed, but, um, you know, that's, that's his call. So, um, it, it does offer a tease though. If both of those teams can win. I mean, if somebody grew up in central Ohio and had fans in my family on both sides of that robbery. Um, it would be pretty amazing if it comes to that.
0: Yeah, we had North Carolina and Duke in the Final Four this year in college basketball for the first time. It'd be crazy if we got Ohio State, Michigan playing for the national championship. I feel like these those those sides would not be talking to that for at least like
1: three weeks. Well, I, I mean, you know, I was at Ohio State media availability yesterday, and they are doing their best not not to look back and not to look forward, and that's the trick if you're Ohio State in this situation because if you look forward. Uh, you're, you're playing Georgia. You can't do that. And if you look back, I mean, you can only look back so far. And yeah, it was a bad half. And yeah, Michigan won in Columbus for the first time since 2000, but that doesn't mean that, uh, Ohio State can't win the rematch. I mean, they, a couple plays here or there, a couple missed assignments, and that could have been a little bit of a different game. I do think it creates a lot of excitement. Um, like I said, the Ohio State Georgia game should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, sorry, Will. Get to those games that made it here. Two things I want to touch on also here is, number one, like, how strange is it considering they've only missed it once prior this year that Alabama did not make it?
1: Um, You know, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> uh, you know, they lost the two games. And obviously Nick Saban's speech on the, during the Big Ten Championship game made a lot of rounds. And he's right about some things. Yeah, if they played TCU – Ohio State or even Michigan, they'd probably be favored, but you got to play the games on your schedule. They were favored in the losses against Tennessee and the losses against LSU. The continued penalties get, came back to haunt them, and uh, you know, it's still a very talented team. I mean, Bryce Young's amazing. Uh, he's another guy that if they would have invited six guys to New York, I wouldn't have had a problem with that because Bryce um, Young's pretty good as well.
0: Yeah, and obviously this is one of the last few runs we're going to get here at the four-team playoff because obviously with the Rose Bowl like signing on, now we've got the 12-team playoff in a couple of years here. Are you going to miss the four-team, Eric, or do you think the 12-team is the right number going forward?
1: Uh, I like both. I I, I want to see I, – well, I can't say I like both. I I like the idea of a 12-team for now. I think I said all along there's going to be checks and balances to it. On one end, um, you'll have – Uh, More teams, more money, more games, more interest. Uh, The 14 playoff in some ways did go stale because, as you mentioned, Alabama's been in it all but one year. Clemson's been in it a lot. You might get a repeat champion this year. Um, High State's been in it a lot. It spreads that out, puts games on campus, gets a group of five and all the conferences involved. I don't know if it'll be the same as the college basketball tournament, but we'll see. The four-team playoff, to me, I mean, the further you get away from four, and then I thought we could have maybe done eight, it's one of those deals where, you know, you get further away from what, like this year, you could have done the BCS and just done Michigan and Georgia, and it had been all right.
0: Yeah, that's true. I do like the idea, though, of the games being on campus the first round here. I do think it's something that the NCAA tournament won't, won't have because they're all neutral sites, but the idea of having these, like you know, like, Eight, nine, or five, twelve games being on campus with the with the full crowd of fans and not having to travel—they got they got to add to the experience a little bit.
1: Oh, for sure, and, and I think that's that's part of the experience. You know, as a, I went to a MAC school, so the tease of having Ohio University get to the playoffs is pretty cool to me. You know, they if they if that would ever happen, I don't know that it will, but you know, you, you get that Western Michigan would have been a playoff team under this format, so. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it—the the campus energy. This is the one sport where you know that I think it's just special. Like you have a moment like you did at Neyland Stadium this, this year when Tennessee finally beat Alabama. You quadruple that intensity if you have a playoff game on campus. So yeah, it's going to be really cool when it happens.
0: Yeah, some of the games we have here this year. First up here, we mentioned this Georgia Ohio State game here. Georgia rain national chance. Ohio State looked like they were. Left for dead after they Michigan beat them in the in the uh, big rivalry game, but they benefit from USC getting blown out in the Pac-12 title games. So now they're in the in the matchup here. I do think Ohio State can really give Georgia a run for his money.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's one of those deals where I think they can. Uh, they got great receivers. Uh, was that their immediate availability? And they've been given a second chance. And anytime you give a team with that much talent a second chance, good things can happen. So they're going to give Georgia a good shot. It's a tall ass to go down to Atlanta, play against that team. Uh, but part of that is I'm thinking, I state will travel too. They'll have a lot of fans there. They, they're they going to have to get pressure on Stacey Bennett. That hasn't happened this year. They're going to have to slow down those tight ends, and they're going to have to take advantage of their opportunities against that Georgia secondary. A lot of people are talking about how many passing yards LSU had. Well, LSU was down 35-10 when they started throwing it around. So, that game was pretty much over by then. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I've wanted to see that matchup since 2019. So to have the, one of the nation's best offenses year in and year out play one of the nation's best defenses year in and year out, it ought to be a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: What do you think is the key here for Ohio State? They're to pull the upset off. What do they have to do right to uh, knock Georgia off?
1: Well, get off to a good start you know, make it as make it a shootout as possible. You know, the higher the score goes, the better chance Ohio State has to win. Um get the running game going. They won't have Trayvon Henderson. Maybe Myan Williams got to step up. He's he's gonna be a little bit healthier than he was against Michigan. Um Stroud's gonna have to be accurate and use his legs to make plays. And then like I said, on the defensive side, just get pressure. I mean Setson Bennett hasn't taken a sack in six games. So if they can't get pressure on Georgia, it's gonna be a long night.
0: All right. And Georgia obviously favoring this game here. Like what does Georgia have to do to ensure they're playing for another title?
1: Um, same. I mean, just get the running game going, have Stetson Bennett play within himself, get the defense pressure, and not allow the big plays. I think there's some really cool secondary matchups in this game. Kayla Ringo and Marvin Harrison is going to be a lot of fun. Um, the defense with Jalen Carter getting, you know, shutting down Ohio State's running game. Ohio State averaged 44.5 points per game. So it's not like Georgia's going to, this is a probably the most prolific offense they've faced since that Tennessee game. And they're going to have to do the same things they did against Tennessee to make Ohio state uncomfortable. And they're going to have to do it inside, not at Sanford stadium.
0: Yeah, that's true here. Let's go to the other game here, the uh, TCU Michigan game and Michigan favored by about just over a touchdown. As, as we're looking at this right now, I got data recording here, but TCU obviously came out, came out of the Pac- big 12 to win it all played very well, lost the heartbreaker in their title game here. Like, do you give TCU a shot here pull the upset?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a style game. You know, Big 12 versus Big 10, if TCU can come out and kind of the same playbook as Ohio State, make some big plays around Max Duggan, break, ha, ha, do what Purdue did, kind of. You know, just make Michigan uncomfortable in that 20-yard box, get some pass plays, and um, get out to a fast start, and then not let Michigan's running game wear on them. That was the problem against Baylor, against Kansas State. Those teams controlled the tempo, kind of beat up TCU up front, and they were lucky to beat Baylor and fell short against Kansas State, obviously. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, Michigan is the best second-half team in the country. So, if it's not close at halftime, they might be in a little trouble.
0: Yeah, that that's for sure here. And obviously, I feel like this is sort of like the big coming out game for Max Duggan because obviously Big 12 has not got as much attention in recent years with Oklahoma and Texas being kind of down. So, like, what do you like? We look forward to watching him play in these in this
1: game. Max Duggan? Yeah. Um, more of the same. Uh, he, he's been a team leader. I think he's going to try to make some plays with his legs. I think they could follow a little bit of a playbook that Maryland did against Michigan early in the season, where Talia Tagnavaloa kind of stressed out Michigan's defense a little bit, especially early. And if they got a running game behind it, that they can make it interesting. So it's just taking advantage of that. And then in the red zone they have to be perfect and not settle for field goals. And the same thing for Michigan really on the other side. This isn't when you get to the playoff and you get in the red zone, you gotta score touchdowns.
0: Yeah, absolutely here. And obviously if you could have your pick right now and pick any two uh, any matchup here for the title game? Which would be the most interesting for you to cover? Would it be the Michigan Ohio State rematch? Would it be Georgia Michigan? Maybe something else? Maybe T- TCU Ohio State? What are you thinking?
1: I mean, in or yeah. I mean, obviously, Michigan Ohio State. It would be. I can't even imagine. You know, I, I just the the hype that would be around that. There is a you know a little bit of a drawback to that because Michigan on that side the the rematches have been tough to win. We've seen that with Florida and Florida State and. Alabama and LSU and even last year with Alabama and Georgia once they play that second one the team that lost the first one has the has a little bit of an advantage in some ways I I think Georgia Michigan would be a lot of fun because we we see what changed from last year Georgia obviously dominated that semifinal but I think Michigan has a better team with a better quarterback and and the experience might of being in that game last year might pay off so those would be the two. I mean, I'm not saying if TCU wins and Ohio State wins, that would be fun. TCU and uh, Georgia win, that would be fun, and that's why I think uh, you know TCU is a great story. Yeah, you, know, you talked about Alabama making the playoff all these years. Well, TCU making the playoff. I mean, that's what we like. I mean, good. Nobody had that in August. I certainly didn't, and for that to happen, it's pretty cool. It
0: certainly is here, and obviously, these like the two of the New Year six games are the playoff games here. What about the rest of the other four? Which one treats you the most of the other uh, New
1: Year's Six games? Well, I mean, all of them, obviously. I think with Tennessee Clemson, it's downer that Hooker and Hyatt won't be in that game, but we'll get to see Cade Klubnik. We'll see how Alabama comes out against Kansas State. I always enjoy watching the Rose Bowl. So Utah and Penn State, I mean, there's always a a fun – that'll be fun because Cam Rising and Penn State winning 10 games with all the young players that they have, I think that'll be a great game. And then, uh, you know, Tulane, this is what I was talking about. If this was a 12-team playoff, Tulane would be given that opportunity. But now they get to play against the Heisman Trophy winner. And USC kind of, they feel like, to me, a team that with the momentum they've created, um, they'll probably be ranked in the top five. And and Caleb Williams coming off the Heisman Trophy, it'd be pretty cool to see that one.
0: I'm also curious to see how Alabama does in their game, because Alabama, I know the stakes in measurement national championships, so you wonder, like, how motivated they're going to be in this game as well? Because, like, obviously they're not playing. They're just playing for a bowl win, not for trying to win a title.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be – they they've had a history. I mean, people are like, well, they've come out and lost bulls. Well, yeah, they lost to Utah the one year and Oklahoma in another one. But they've also come out in those bowl games and blown out Michigan State and Michigan. I think Kansas State's going to be very fired up to play in that game, especially with Deuce Vaughn, uh, the uh, two-time consensus All-American running back. Um but Alabama you know this is a way to kind of show what Nick Saban said that we should have been this and I they haven't I don't think they've announced yet whether Bryce Young or Willie Anderson will play I hope they do but if they don't obviously you know we live in that day and age where you have to respect that decision
0: yeah you certainly do here Bill thanks for all the time really appreciate it before I let you go go follow social media keep up with your coverage as the Cosmopol uh, playoff rolls on
1: yeah I met Bill Bender 92 at sportingnews.com and Looking forward to it. It's always good to catch up with you. I think we did this a couple times during the year and always enjoy our conversation.
0: Always great talking to you, Bill. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Show me the money. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week 17 here on the podcast. Just two weeks left in the regular season. Joining me today, a good friend of mine. He works at the PGA Tour. Today we're talking about his calls. Dan Demartini is here. Dan, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, Mike.
0: Glad to be back. I know it's been a...
2: It feels like a, a long season for me. I know you've had some ups and downs as well, but um, it, as much as I feel like it's a long season, it, it also feels like it went by really fast. Um, <laughs> I just... We've been bad so for so long. They all all the badness uh, in Indianapolis has just kind of meshed together for me. So as much as I want it to be over, uh, I'm also kind of sad that it's over and we're going into that long off season again.
0: Yeah, I mean, this week they were on national TV again. They're on the Monday night against the Chargers. I watched like some of that game. I will admit, I fell asleep during that game because the Colts weren't doing much to keep me entertained here. What was your big takeaway from last night?
2: Well, I've been asleep for weeks now because, you know, even even the first half against the Vikings was a fluke in my mind. Um, the best take is that the guys are already mailed in. They're already thinking about what they're going to do for next year. This team needs to be gutted. Um, it, 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 and it's a real shame because I thought if you go back to last year and you think about what Reich had going with Jonathan Taylor and when we went into Buffalo and we beat him by like 30 points. And absolutely manhandled them. You know, Wentz was playing pretty decent at the time. Um, to think what's gone down since. And the lies and the just, I guess, yeah, I don't even know if it's a true lie. Uh, because I think that the front office believed that the, the moves they made in the offseason were right. And um, to move on from Wentz, to take on Matt Ryan, to Reich needed to be fired. The the, the team was had quit on Reich and Reich was so focused on these ridiculous, you know, uh, you know, monotonous, just stretch of run. So predictable vanilla offensive plays like nothing was going to work. I genuinely believe that if we had kept Wentz, we would have, and he didn't have any injury year two would have been better. I I think that we, with how bad the AFC South has been, I think that we would have won the South Matt Ryan. We got absolutely duped by Atlanta. His arm was shot. His, his quick twitch muscle, like his reaction to what's going on is completely useless. He only looked good for maybe a little bit of stretch in like weeks four, five, and six. And, um, and everybody wants to blame the protection, Mike, you and I both know this is, this league, your quarterback has to be able to move. If you can't avoid that first pass rusher, you can't step up in the pocket. You can't run on third and three to pick up the first, you know, and, and rivers and, and you know, people want to say, Oh, well, Philip rivers did it. Well, rivers was so savvy with the way he moved in the pocket and he knew when he had to get rid of the ball and he still could fire it in a little bit. Um, and they, they game plan for Philip Rivers. Matt Ryan, every time he dropped back to to make a pass, he either wasn't going to throw it hard enough to get it to the receiver or he was going to end up taking a sack because it just took him too long to find somebody open. And I I don't want – people want to blame the receivers. People want to blame the offensive line. Jonathan Taylor never got going. People want to blame play calling. You can't win with Matt Ryan right now at 37, 38 years old. This, this is a young quarterback league. Um, and you're seeing it more and more by these young guys who come out of college or, you know, still in their early 20s and and are having immediate success because they understand the speed at which you have to play and how hard you have to throw the ball. So this this team and Jim Ursay saying at the end of last year after we lost to Jacksonville and missed the playoffs, you know, all chips in, you know. I posted a funny meme on Twitter the other day where it was like all, it was Jimmer say all chips in, but there was only like two chips.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I guess, I guess, you know, I I was optimistic going into the year that the running game was going to be so good. Matt Ryan was going to be like the old Trent Dilfer, Baltimore, Ravens game manager type guy, but um, it's just not the case. And uh, at, at, they didn't, they seemed like that Jacksonville and the Oakland Raider losses at the end of last year kind of killed the morale, which makes me so mad because they pride themselves on like the culture and the good guys in the locker room and nobody's a troublemaker and everybody gets along. Well, Naeem Hines wanted out and he's one of the nicest guys, best people that you'll meet in the NFL. And he wanted, he got the heck out of here, went to Baltimore or Buffalo And you got all these guys now pointing fingers at each other Our all pro linebacker might be completely done in the NFL. It's hard to come back from multiple spine injuries and nerve damage. You know, the offensive line, we let go three depth pieces and they've played great elsewhere. And unfortunately, we could have kept all three of them. The whole team was a mess. And, and, you know, Chris Ballard has come out. The GM has basically said, like, oh, you guys wanted me to do this or that. You wanted me to get a wide receiver, and I couldn't address the offensive line. Yes, you could have. We still have one of the most cap spaces of all the teams in the NFL. There, he thinks he's this cap genius, and yet, you know, at the end of the day, you have to spend money on proven guys. And right now, we, we're rolling out a bunch of guys who are just backups on other teams. So. We're a mess. We need to be completely gutted. I really hope with the fifth overall pick and potentially the fourth overall pick, depending on how next week goes, um, I'm really hoping that we uh, get ev- get rid of everybody except for Taylor and a couple guys on defense that are under contract and uh, and restart this offense from, from the ground up.
0: Yeah, obviously, that was a lot to say there. I'm sure you had, you had to get it off your chest. But two things that don't have to be, obviously. Number one, like I cannot remember a team falling apart off a season-ending loss, I think, this reminds me a lot of like what happened to the Jets as they lost in Buffalo on 15 and the next year's a complete disaster. And then the training backed up. I feel like the same things happened to you guys here.
2: hundred percent. And it, and it starts at the top. And it, so for me, just from like a, a Colts fan perspective, okay, so your owner's not going to change. Okay. So we know he's nuts. We know that Ursay, but he, he will spend money. Uh, then you got to look at the next guy in line. So you got to look at Chris Ballard. So Ursa comes out last night, right before the, you know, Ursae's been clamoring for primetime games. We've had four primetime games in like the last eight weeks and, and we've been abysmal in every single one of them. So, and, but he's got a lot of pride. So there's a lot of kind of Colts fan chatter of whether or not he's saying Chris Ballard is safe just to get through the season, but Chris might not be. Um, I'm curious what happens here because before you can go into whether Chris Ballard keeps his job, the question is, are guys like Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh interested in this job? Um, and I know we can talk a little bit about Jeff Saturday and his, his situation, but if I were Jim Irsay, I I would ask Sean Payton first. If he's not interested, no problem. I would then go to Jim Harbaugh because those are the two guys I think that can stabilize the organization and if those guys aren't interested, then I'm going to a next tier. I would keep Ballard, but then I would say to Ballard, We need we need a change of atmosphere here. We need a head coach who's actually a head coach, who's and then we need two coordinators. None more of this head coach is also offensive coordinator nonsense. I think you need a guy who can come in and, and kind of be that figurehead. I mean, look at Nick Siriani. He was our offensive coordinator. He goes to the Eagles. He takes on that kind of leadership role. He lets Steichen do his thing on the offensive side, and he's got the defense. He's he's involved in both. Um, I want that again. I don't want a head coach that's not worried about the game situation. He's worried about the next play call. So we have a lot of restructuring from an organizational front to do. I would love D'Amico Ryans. Um, I don't think that the, that he, they're going to go defensive. I think they, they're going to go for an offensive coach. So I'm more in the Steichen. I'm in more in the Ken Dorsey, um, uh, and I'm in the Ben Johnson interest category. If if I was choosing, and and Harbaugh and Peyton are not available.
0: Yeah, that's thing one. Thing two. I was to talk about Jeff Saturday a little bit here. I mean, I was scratching my head with his hire was made. Jim Ursay basically made a mockery of the NFL by hiring him, and he's not done very well there. I mean, you had the big win the first game, but like. They've not done much since, and he now has the worst hit collapse in NFL history on his resume too. So, like, I feel like Jeff has also been a flop.
2: Yeah, and and the issue is the guys were checked out before Jeff Saturday. You could have put the you could have put Sean Payton right in there, and they were still going to be a mess. Uh, there was no fixing how defeated this group of guys are. The defense is mad at the offense because remember the Colts defense, other than against the Vikings, which they really collapsed, uh, and in the fourth quarter they got beat up pretty bad about the Cowboys but we're missing Kenny Moore pro bowl nickel, and we're missing the heart of our defense for the entire season. You know, your whole defense runs off of the energy that Darius Leonard brings or Shaquille Leonard brings. And we haven't had that. And guys like Zaire Franklin have played great. I bet he's one of those guys who sneaks into the pro bowl just because somebody decides not to play. Um, He's, he's made a million tackles for us and he's been a really good, but he's like a six round pick. So, my whole thing is, you know, Jeff Saturday has, has the demeanor of the head coach. I actually like what he does on the sideline. I think he relates to the guys. There's not much anybody could do. If you don't have the quarterback situation handled in the NFL, your team's going to be bad. I mean, there's not too many teams with underperforming quarterbacks that are winning games consistently, right? Um, the only teams that, that seem to be able to hold on and that when that happens are the teams with really good head coaches like Baltimore um, and a couple of other teams like that, that have faced injuries um, to their quarterbacks, but somehow are able to kind of go 500 and, and keep moving forward. And and we need a, uh, while I like Jeff Saturday, I want like a legitimate offensive mind um, on, on, to come in because this offense can really probably only keep like three guys. I would even be okay if we moved on. I don't know if Pittman is going to be worth the money that he's probably going to get elsewhere. Uh, In my opinion, I just, I think that there are other wide receivers. There's other ways we can go. I like Alec Pierce. I like gotta like Jelani woods. He's he made a couple of plays last night, probably before he went to sleep. Uh, (laughs) We've got a couple of little pieces, but The biggest thing that happened really was, you know, we had Jack Doyle retired. So that really hurt our run game. And we let Zach Paschal go. He was one of the better blocking wide receivers. And when you let those two guys go, you see how little room Jonathan Taylor's had to go. So we need actually, we need very specific pieces for our run game to work. And then I think we need a rookie, a young quarterback to come in and learn. So we are now back in the hit the reset button. It's going to be three years before we're good again, potentially. So my question, if now we say, okay, we're going to need two to three years to develop a quarterback. What head coach do you want to bring in to develop kind of that team? And then what guys on offense are worth the contract and what guys are not? I think that you can spend your money elsewhere um, and develop more draft capital to build around, rather than paying a guy Pittman like eighteen million dollars a year to, to keep him, because he's just not—he's just not going to be worth that. Because he, we're not going to win over the next two years anyway. This team is very far away from a quick fix.
0: Yeah, so they still got two games left this season. I mean, they're coming to New York to so take on the Giants. Giants can clinch a playoffs spot the win here. Is there any shot? You get the Colts get motivated to try and and stop the Giants? Or you think it's just one—they're kind of mailing in the game from like the start.
2: No, they'll come out. They'll do what they've been doing the last five or six weeks. The 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 Vikings game was a real fluke. I, I think that Kirk Cousins was basically handing the Colts the game in the first half. The Vikings were just so bad. The Colts were just like, what? You want us to like win this one? Uh but then obviously everything got fixed there. Um I, I was hoping we lost the Vikings game, but I hope we I thought we would lose like 28 to 10 type of thing kind of like last night 20 to 3 i didn't think that we would have a 33 point lead and then blow it but as for the giants um you know believe it or not i was going to fly to new york for this game because i thought it was going to be like a pretty meaningful game down the stretch for us um there's no chance in 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 hell that they're going to win this game or be even be competitive uh i think saquon's going to have a really good day um i think that the way the Giants run their offense, the way they kind of hit their receivers on the quick slants, and kind of they sit down soft in coverage, they're just going to eat up yards on us all day long. And uh, I, th- I can see Daniel Jones running for a touchdown against us. We have a really hard time with QB spy. Um, I can see some some big plays happening too. Some some play where we get crushed in play action. Uh, the only way that that game doesn't go, you know, you know, twenty eight to seven giants is if um the giants defense just comes up and tries to and doesn't respect the fact that Foles is going to just launch it i don't know if you were watching in that first quarter last night it was so funny it was almost like they were just dropping back and launching passes down the field whether they got intercepted overthrown whatever just to prove the point they can still throw downfield um because matt ryan literally hadn't thrown a pass over 30 yards in a long time so You know, unless like a corner falls or slips on the turf, we're not going. We're we have the least amount of explosive plays in the NFL, I believe. I thought I saw that stat recently. So, um, we're we're a pushover at this point, and we're our guys are already thinking about vacation.
0: Yeah, so you think they're going to throw the confetti on Sunday for the Giants?
2: Oh, absolutely! (laughs) It'll be like it'll be like seven seven or seven three after the first quarter, and then the Giants will just. Keep pulling away. We'll have chances like we'll drive it all the way down inside the red zone and then we'll either turn it over or miss a field goal or get a big holding penalty and have to punt. So that's just how the season has gone. We've we've had so many trips into the red zone and just been and come away with no points or go for it on fourth and short and not get it. And, you know, that's just classic us. That's a team that's given up. So.
0: All right. Let's be, now let's get to the reason why you're here, which is the picks for the week. So last week I had a good friend of mine, Joe D'Aluisio, on for the picks. So he went uh, one and two last week. He took the Lions laying the two and a half against the Panthers. They got blown out that game. To the Cowboys laying the five. They win by six. He took the Bears plus nine. They get blown out by the Bills. So one and two for Joe.
2: Okay. Well, you know, on paper those look like a good deal. I I wouldn't have probably gone with the Bears even though that's a lot of points. But yeah. um, you know, look, the Lions were were a very sexy pick going into last week and everybody thought that that was going to be, um, you know, an easy win for them. And then who would have thought Carolina would come out and play like that. So, you know, and I get the, I get the Cowboys pick, but you obviously had a, um, a nice week there and, you know, very smart to take the points there with, with the Cardinals. And um, you know, obviously the Bengals are a team that are peaking, but that got a little scary there for you for a second. Um, you know that Jacoby Myers touchdown was pretty wild. So, uh, but I bet you were taking a sigh of relief uh, when it was twenty-two nothing, and then when it all of a sudden came to twenty-two eighteen, <laughs> that was uh, that was close.
0: Yes, that's in For that good week, was they went two and one last week. My one loss was the Browns laying a three. I didn't think the Saints are that good, but I forgot how bad the Browns actually are. Bengals three, <laughs> I felt like you said I thought it was good twenty-two nothing, ends up being 22, 18. I covered barely. Cardinals, I said this last week, getting the points. I said it didn't matter who his quarterback is. Tampa Bay should not be laying that many points to anybody with how they played the last few weeks. So that was an I, easy one for me.
2: The, the, it's funny how anemic the Colts offense is. The Buccaneers is, is right up there. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, they didn't lose that much. I know they they're, they got the injuries on the offensive line and they don't really have a true run game right now. But, man, like, they still have a ton of talent. So they, they should be able to score more points than they have this year. But good picks by you. Deshaun Watson needs a full offseason. I think it's pretty obvious to most sport fans that, like, or football fans that watch, like, he needs he, – he has no, like – connection or rhythm with his receivers he he still has some jitters like he is the definition of rusty so like we he uh, him being on my dynasty fantasy football team like I'm not going to give up on him right away like they invested a lot in him he just you know he's a horrible person probably but um you know allegedly uh but at the same time like from a football standpoint he needs the offseason. he needs like training camp and he he needs reps so I, I wouldn't I don't, don't think the Browns record this year is going to be indicative of what they'll be next year. I think they're going to be much better.
0: Yeah. So to reset the, for the records of the year, team challenges 23, 24 and one I'm 20, 27 and one. So it's not been pretty for either side here. So we'll see if we can okay. get some wins on the board here this week. I feel, I feel good about what we're doing here. All right. Let's All see right. if I can help. All right. Let's go ahead here. We'll do some picks here. You are up first as the guest. Where are you going with your first pick of the week
2: yeah you know um my first pick is definitely going to be the jags giving four points um you know i'm i'm watching this jacksonville team you know living in jacksonville and just the kind of the aura around the team right now they are playing the best football of the year um it's as if the rest of the AFC South Colts included have just kind of like parted the seas and let the Jaguars just as you know this is a team who at one point had lost like four or five straight games you know their team was a mess um you know Doug Peterson was like doing a nice job with them but they were going to need more time um and all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence has just been like nah i'm that good i i can I, I was telling a friend that's a jacksonville uh season ticket holder i was watching their their game a couple weeks ago and i'm like man the way the ball comes out of trevor lawrence's hand versus matt ryan's it's like you're watching two different leagues so um i'm gonna take jacksonville and uh you know that'll be a and it should be especially knowing that the texans just beat the titans um I think that Jacksonville is going to come in and the Texans are like, all right, we didn't want to win just one game. We won two games this season, but now we're good. We'll take the first overall pick. So I think that they're going to kind of uh, crumble. So I think it's a big win for Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, I think for sure. If I like this game. Like, I don't like the number. I feel like the Texans have been feisty. I feel like this is one Jacksonville should win, but I can see this being like a field goal win because Houston at home, trying to, you know, make a good impression for Lovie Smith here. They've been playing hard for them. They've given the Chiefs some scares here. So, I would not be shocked here if Houston keeps it close. I'm gonna stay away from the game.
2: Okay, I hear you. All right,
0: right, we're gonna Pick two. Uh, pick two.
2: I'm going to uh, give three points. Um, even though they're in Tampa, I believe I'm gonna. I'm gonna give three. I'm gonna take the Panthers. I think that the what I watched the Panthers do against the Lions uh, and how their defensive has played the last few weeks. I think Carolina has showed that they can actually score. I think that they're going to kind of ascend to the top of the south this statement game for them uh and i just don't think that brady has enough left in him enough magic left in him especially under under pressure um i think the panthers are going to end up winning the south and i think that i'm comfortable giving three if anything it's going to be a three-point game but i I think that the panthers win by a touchdown
0: yeah absolutely i love this pick too because i feel like this is just literally brady's at home or give him the favorite love but this is games on neutral field. like bought the bookies are telling you this is a even matchup here carol's playing a lot better than tampa is right now so i will i will i would ride that one with you but i'm not taking the pick okay all right um
2: and then my last one um i know the line has moved but i just feel i pre- feel pretty comfortable that the 49ers are um in that mode right now where they're all they're doing is looking to lock everything up locking their seating in um and they're just ascending at this point and the amount of just up and down nature that and the horrific coaching of of josh mcdaniels has just really put the raiders in a very similar spot to the colts and that you know who's going to play is Derek carr's time there up they have a ton of talent you know guys like waller and adams and, and jacobs and they've got all these players yet they're just not getting it done um you know yes they've been better over the past four weeks but i do think that the 49ers giving five points i feel pretty comfortable that the 49ers are going to win by at least a touchdown
0: yeah like i like the number here at like the pick here the thing i think you stay away from is again like you know raiders have been feisty especially at home they're four and two at home and you know, it's seen going to Vegas on New Year's Eve and hanging out. You know, maybe they come kind of up a little slumbery for the game. It's a little closer, so I'm not going to touch it. But I, I expect the logic.
2: Yeah, no, and I, I just think that that it will be a game where the Raiders have, are susceptible to a couple of big plays here or there. And I do think that Shanahan will have a couple things up his sleeve to create some plays over the middle and deep. So I'm I'm definitely thinking that. If you were going to tell me like, what's the score going to be on this one, I can see it being like 28, 17, 49ers, where it's close for a while, but I do think the 49ers score late and kind of create that separation,
0: so. All right, you're on the board. I'm up now, pick one. I'm going to take the Jets, getting the two and a half in Seattle against the Seahawks. It's just entirely because of Mike White. This line opened the Jets were one point underdogs here. Mike White jumps here, three and a half point swing in their favor. I know Seattle is tough at home, but, They've been playing very poorly down this stretch. You now Tyler Lockett hurts them here. And you watch Mike White play with the Jets. They beat the Bears very convincingly. They almost win in Minnesota. They almost win in Buffalo with that with Mike White at quarterback here. I think they win both games at Zach Wilson's start if White is healthy here. I think right now this is a spot where they know that they win. They very likely get a loss from New England somewhere along the way. They can control the of the playoffs here. So I think you get a big bounce back with the Jets. I'll light like the two and a half.
2: 100% agree with you that... You know, Mike White changes the Jets. The guys seem to play harder around him. He's he's more willing to take some chances and throw into tight spots. I definitely think that the question for, for the Jets will be, can Mike White get up after his first big hit? You know, just how much pain, like, it's not that easy to heal from that kind of an injury. So I know they're desperate. The Jets are still fighting. Salah's obviously got them motivated. Um, the the Seahawks, as you said, are going the wrong direction, and 100% agree that if White is healthy enough and can be smart and get rid of the football, given the conditions, I, I still think the Jets have a chance to to keep fighting for a playoff spot.
0: So, I, I agree with you, and I I
2: would I like that pick to take the points.
0: All right, pick number two here. Sorry, I'm going to take the Giants laying the three and a half against the Colts this week. You said it before the Colts I show up this game. The Giants know they win. They're in the playoffs here. I think they're going to be throwing the confetti in the third quarter here. I think this game's a blowout. Giants have been playing much better the last couple of games here. They lose in a heartbreaker at the gun on the field goal by Greg Joseph in Minnesota. They should have... I mean, they beat the Commanders late here. I think this is the spot. But, you know, we're gonna get the job done. We're getting the playoffs here. Giants laying the point. they think in New York, New York, the first two picks.
2: You want to talk about the a, a perfect game for
0: the Giants at home,
2: cold. The Colts players are playing for nothing. They're gonna to want to get out of there. They're like, all right, you you take your touchdowns. No more penalties. Don't call timeout. out. Let's run this clock. Let's go home. So. <laughs> Uh, great pick. We are going to put up this much resistance <laughs> to the Giants. So, um, you know, good on for the G-men. They, uh, they've, they've, Dable's done an amazing job with them. You know, no one expected them to be in this position and, and the NFC East to be this good this year. So good on them. And uh, they deserve a little layup against us right now. All
0: right, let's pick number two. Pick number three. I'm riding the hot team here. to take the Packers laying three at home against the Vikings. I mean, this is a game that's a big red spot. Packers spiral sort of started in week one when the Vikings blew them out here. The Vikings have been playing with fire for so so many weeks, where they're going down the teams. They have all 12 wins, 11 of them by one score, which to me feels like a little fluky. They are due to get burned on one of these. And Green Bay, hot. Green Bay knows that they could get some help. They can keep stay hot, getting the playoffs here. Playing in the cold on New Year's Day, I think the Packers pass back here. I'm only laying three, so I'll take the Packers. My last pick of the week.
2: You know, it's really interesting. I'm I'm 50-50 on this game, Mike, because the Vikings on one side of it, you know, they've already clinched a playoff spot. You know, it's all now for them. It's a seeding perspective. Um, do they want to put their players out there in a game that really doesn't mean that much to them and means way more to the Packers and potentially get some injuries? I don't know. Um, but the other part of it, that's a division rival who's, who's given it to the Vikings over the last you know decades so are the vikings going to be that team that say you know what packers nice nice try but we're this is our year and we're going to shut you guys out so who knows how hard they're going to play um with that being a three-point line right it's a three-point yep. one yeah i think that that's a, a very fair bet um that if anything it's going to be close um i don't i do not believe in the packers offense i know that the vikings defense is the worst or secondary is the worst in the nfl but at the same time like you know they're more of an opportunistic team and rogers has made some throws this year that have really made me scratch my head like what did he just do so um no clue it's whatever team's going to be able to run the ball better um and uh but obviously the packers
0: are fighting for their lives and, and why not I, I like it all right so reset the picture of the week here dan's taking the jaguars laying four in houston against the texans the panthers getting three in tampa against the bucks the game might decide the nfc south 49ers laying five in Vegas against the Raiders. My picks. Jets laying two and a half in Seattle because of Mike White back a quarterback. The Giants laying three and a half at home against the Colts. And the Green Bay Packers laying three points at home against the Vikings here. Those are your picks for week number 17 on the podcast. And we're going to wrap up the regular season next week with uh, one of our good friends. Phil Lombardo is going to be on that week to close out the regular season in picks.
1: There you go. Well, hopefully
2: he is celebrating a playoff berth as well for his G men. So I like that you took both New York teams, yeah. um, in, in, in different scenarios. Yeah. So it's gotta be a much nicer time to be in the New York area, uh, than it is in, in my sporting world, especially knowing that after all of our trash talking, the Grizzlies lost to the Warriors on Christmas night. So anyway, um, I've obviously already started to check out on the football front, um, but um, starting to heat up on the NBA season. So maybe I'll be back on with you in a few months and we'll talk some NBA. Maybe Dan. Thanks a lot.
0: I really appreciate it for let's go. I'll be a file on the social media streets. They want to keep up with some of your thoughts. Sure. DMART
2: 207 on Twitter. I am um, definitely a, um, a little more uh, snarky uh, these days in regards to certain content that's coming out, but um, you know, I hope everybody has a wonderful holidays and thanks again for,
0: for always putting
2: out some great content like this, Mike.
0: Absolutely, Dan. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. See ya. The Two Minute Drill. All right, Two Minute Drill time, and obviously the Holiday Special podcast last week, it dropped before the Mets pulled the stunner of their offseason when they signed Carlos Correa to that 12-year, $315 million deal after the Giants dropped out of it due to concerns over his physical. The Mets also did have some concerns over the physical, and... All right, now it looks like they got to get this thing done. It now added the topper to a star side offseason here. That contract pushed the Mets payroll near $500 million to factor in the luxury tax payment that Steve Cohen is going to make. All of a sudden, we are now starting to hear a lot of the whining takes about how Steve Cohen is bad for baseball. Keep in mind, we didn't hear this when the Dodgers were going for, you know, $250 million payrolls back in the mid-2010s when the Yankees were lapping the field. Now that Coleman's away, we're getting all the ludicrous stuff of he's buying a title. This is bad for competitive balance, etc. We might acknowledge Weasel executive tell Evan Drell, The athletic this brilliant quote last week. This is again is from the athletic. I think it's going to have consequences for him down the road. Senator an official with another major league team was not authorized to speak publicly. Again, Weasel not authorized to speak publicly. This is me speaking, not the article, but we'll go back to it. Here's the rest of the quote. There's no collusion, but there was a reason nobody for years ever went past three hundred million dollars. You still have partners, and there's a system. End the quote. First of all, what this weasel and executive is describing is basically collusion. You still have partners, and there's a system that basically screams, You know, we have a gentleman's agreement not to pay the players too much money. That's the whole other issue. Of the P how's the LFP? I would be looking very hard at, what, at that. What that executive was saying here. My main issue, though. That Steve Cohen is bad for baseball for spending what it takes to win. There are too many cheap owners in this league who are collecting their revenue sharing money or Steve Cohen's $110 million tax bill, which, in case you didn't know this, it gets divided amongst the teams who didn't pay the tax and puts put some money in their pockets. They're putting it in their pockets instead of investing into their teams. How can you say that Steve Cohen is bad for baseball you have John Fisher out in Oakland, who's worth $2.3 billion, by the way. Not as Steve Cohen, but still worth plenty running a fire sale, basically fielding a triple A team in Oakland. He's trying to get them, Oakland to build him a new stadium of taxing money and raising his ticket prices for a garbage product. I can say Steve Cohen's better baseball on Bob Nutting. With over a billion dollars, he refused to engage serious pursuits of the Pirates and did not let them get those final pieces they needed back when they had that home run playoff roster in the mid-2010s with the Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, you know, Garrett Cole, those Pirates. Like, he wouldn't do anything to help them out there. About John Dolan in Cleveland, by the way, who's worth over four and a half billion dollars and he won't keep any of the Guardian star unless they sign a certainly team friendly deals. So remember the whole reason the Mets have Francisco Lindor is because the then indians not want to pay him. How is it good for baseball, by the way, that these owners care more about their bottom line than winning to the point that superstar players like your Aaron Judges, who show any team are only getting pursued by two or three teams at a time. You're not telling me there's more than three teams in the league could use a guy like Aaron Judge on a roster? In the NFL, if Patrick Mahomes is going a free agent tomorrow with no tag, no nothing, every team in the league would be interested in him. Aaron Jones, a free agent. He gets three offers. That's not right. The owners have done a tremendous job fooling their fans and thinking that spending money is bad. We should not be scolding Steve Conn. We should be applauding him, along with John Milton in Philadelphia and Peter Seidler in San Diego. And we've run over all the, oh, how are the Padres doing this? So they don't have money takes? They're putting the pursuit of winning and providing entertaining product for the fans ahead of their bottom line. We need 10 more Steve Collins in baseball. We don't need other tax to try and keep them from pursuing winning. At that, I wanted the show for the week. I want to thank my guest, Bill Bender, for coming on and help me preview the college football playoff. I also want to thank Dan D. Martini for doing the week 17 NFL picks. If you want to stuff like this podcast, including my instant reaction to the Carlos Correa deal from the Mets, check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Look at the Sky Guys podcast this week. On that feed, we have a preview of season two of the Bad Bass, the long-delayed animated season two, coming on January fourth. The previews out on that podcast this week—you can only get that on the Sky Guys feed. Subscribe that on all your favorite podcast platforms. And it's at the top of the show. You can follow me on Twitter, mphilips three three one. That's m p h i l i p s three three one. And with that, we're gonna do it for the first podcast of the week. Coming up later this week, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna have the annual tradition here pop culture party for our pop culture team Sandra Rosa and John Stankler, go through some of the years all the pop culture storylines and more have really a better week than dolphin fans. this has been the just end the suffering podcast i'm out